Well, everybody said about the bird. Grown men watch this shit. A podcast about indie wrestling. and gentlemen welcome to the super special holiday christmas edition of grown men watch this shit mm-hmm. yep the uh longest running episodic podcast run by jeremy tate and chris bryan in the history of the world that is 100 percent accurate yep <laughs> i like how i i slowly made it less of a question whether or not grown men watch this shit. It's just a statement. Grown mm. men watch this shit. To start, we weren't sure about the shit we were watching, but uh, 36 episodes in, I guess we're um, a little bit more sure of ourselves. <laughs> That's the number, huh? 36, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't even know either. Then I, I checked the file, and uh, yeah, 36. <laughs> well, what a thing. Yeah, it's not a. I don't know. You'd think uh, 35 would have been the number for us to remark <laughs> to at. Celebrate, or to 25 at least. Yeah. No, just, you look, look back and you're like, wow, we're done, we're done bloody 36 of these. Shit. We only celebrate the 36th anniversary of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one will be, what, episode 72? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we made it, guys. 72. Woo! All right, I'll have to write that down somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I suddenly realized this morning, this, I guess, is our Christmas episode. What, uh... Yeah, right on. Yeah. Oh, look, how festive is that? Yeah, the dog is uh, squeaking his toy. He Apparently he knew he was well-timed. Mm. Get out of here, cute guy. Big, big He's crazy, Christmas, that guy. That dog. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> what uh what do you think makes a, a christmas edition of a podcast specifically uh simply mentioning christmas i think it's a good start that's yep. Tick. probably the best way to get <laughs> yep <laughs> uh gift exchanges actually uh, i'm going to record another podcast i've started doing uh i'm cheating on you doing oh. another podcast with kevin deers uh, he had a podcast called jabroni journal and his co-host uh, co-host had to bow out so i'm either the the interim co-host or the permanent new co-host either way we're doing a gift exchange so i think that's one of the cliches the gift exchange Mm -hmm. what where the hosts give gifts to one another yeah 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 Yeah, i'm I'm not prepared for that shit oh yeah he told me he was bringing me a gift no don't worry man he told me he was gonna get me a gift i'm like oh now i have to reciprocate or i look like the dickhead Mm. so do you like no. live in the vicinity of this man to where there can be a physical exchange or is this like a similar situation to us? It's a physical exchange. He actually, Ooh. they do the podcast, uh, his podcast out of the local rock and roll radio station called oh. KSW. Well, so that sounds we were... a little bit more professional than our little shindig over here. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was so cool. <laughs> I record, there's a radio show I listen to pretty much every day called The Men's Room. And I actually recorded in the studio where they record that show. So it was a big treat Man, for me. You get to wear the headset. You get to sit in on the, the big table with the big fancy 
fucking recording micro microphones. That's it. Yeah, there's knobs and buttons and bobs, all kinds of stuff. Little things where they have uh, have visual indicators of sound levels and such, I assume. Yeah, indeedly, you are exactly correct. I I'm am just... describing a radio station studio right now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was actually I expected it to be a lot more rock and roll uh i actually used to work at the radio station and previously it was pretty rock and roll it's kind of uh more subdued more uh corporate looking now but hey who cares that's it mm. still was fucking bad you know what i mean yeah i when i think of like a radio station studio i always kind of like go to like kind of this the howard stern kind of setup hell yeah mm. that's my um my I love radio, thing on man. That. it's my jam I, mm. I always wanted to get into radio uh doing the podcast is kind of my little way to somehow do a brief kind of radio it's broadcasting so you know it is similar in nature some would say uh, podcasting is the, the the current iteration of radio broadcasting we are radio stars my yeah. friend yeah legit okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, um so the the christmas thing i was thinking about this while i was setting up the computer to record uh Christmas and wrestling, you know, like what? What are your connections between Christmas and and wrestling, my friend? Uh, I think about how Santa Claus is used uh, in varying degrees on the wrestling show. Like depending on who he's working with, Santa's either a babyface or a heel, and it's mm -hmm. still the same exact guy. Like uh, I think John did John Cena or Alberto Del Rio run him over with a car one year. Like I think it was Alberto <laughs> Del Rio. Yeah, Santa gets run over. Uh, we have Santa Claus, which mm -hmm. is apparently Eagle Mahoney, Santa. right? Yes, sir. It's funny how they, like, you know, it's easy to gimmick the holiday. Like, the, the fucking Christmas creature. I mean, the, wrestling and Christmas go hand in hand. There's Wait, always what fun. is the Christmas creature? Oh, you're not familiar with the Christmas creature? It's one of, uh, I think, me. yeah, Kane's. It was never on WWE TV. It was actually, I think it was uh, something in... Tennessee, probably like Smoky uh, Mountain was, kind of thing. I think, I think so, or it might be Lawl or something. But it, anyway, I think it was Kane, and it was like an all a full body gimmick. Was this back in his like picture. Unabomber days? Yeah, around that time. Yeah, yeah. You got to look up the picture. It's fucking ridiculous. The Christmas creature. But yeah, that, I mean, it goes hand in hand. Christmas is fun. Wrestling is fun. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they always do like a gimmick match during the Christmas season, like. The Miracle on 34th Street fight. You know, that, <laughs> that was always that. a favorite of mine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've, oh I've searched the, right. the Christmas creature, and number one, it's just come up with the fucking Wikipedia entry for Kane with, like, his yeah. mayoral picture. That is not <laughs> the picture that I was assuming here well, for the at, Christmas creature. Look at the Google images, friend. Really... <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. You got, like... Candy canes, tried the arms and legs, I think. I'm not looking at it right now. So tinsel. Memory. He's got a yeah, terrifying tinsel. mask with tinsel all around it. He's yeah. candy striped boots as well. Fuck me, this is great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you no for problem. this gift, my friend. <laughs> the Christmas creature. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Chris. Yeah, shit, we need to share this as like the, the picture gimmick on the, the Twitter for the podcast or something. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's fucking great. Uh, for me, my Christmas wrestling associations are always, like, they, they go back to the awesome tradition that used to exist in the territorial days of wrestling 
um, where you would have your Christmas day, you know, you have your, your dinner with family on Christmas Eve, everyone opens up their presents, they're hanging out through the day, and at some point they're like, fuck, well, what are we going to do now? And then in, invariably, there's a fucking Christmas wrestling show on in every territory because everyone's like, well, we're hanging out with our family. Why wouldn't we together go watch wrestling on Christmas night? And that was yeah. like just the best tradition going for many, many years uh, until, uh, I guess, Vince took over what is popularized in wrestling and he didn't like that tradition anymore. And then it disappeared, which I'm really sad about. Yeah, uh, I think there's still like some local indies always, you know, they they appreciate the they'll do a season's beatings or whatever. Like, but like on, on the actual Christmas night, though, like that seems yeah, uh, rare. I think these days you wouldn't even see an indie have the temerity to run on Christmas night because they would that's think fair. that yeah, they can't right. draw. Whereas it's funny, like in the past, it was one of their biggest drawing times of the year because of the inbuilt tradition. Yeah, I think uh, Thanksgiving also had that yes. uh, kind of thing going on. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. The the football finishes, and then you go watch some wrestling. Yeah, that is kind of a bummer, man. Like wrestling is family entertainment. <laughs> yeah, like my favorite was always the the world class wrestling ones. This was called uh, the the big show of the the year. It was called Christmas Star Wars. That's perfect. <laughs> I guess because Star Wars was popular not too many years prior, I guess. And uh, <laughs> it, it's a, you know, it's a war of the big stars of wrestling. It's where you see During the big Christmas. stars clash and it's Christmas time. So, natural. Yeah. yeah I, I want that tradition to come back. I think that'd be cool. But it's weird. It's like the, the Thanksgiving thing. It's like a thing where I'd almost, you know, think that, that All Elite would bring this back. But it seems like all of the big companies in wrestling these days are like, oh, we don't put shows on, on family event times because we want our wrestlers to be able to have time with their families. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Is, is that pro wrestling? Back in the day, it's because wrestlers had, like, five families, so... <laughs> 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 yeah, it, it'd be awkward for them to have to pick which yeah, one of them they... All the other families, like, which one do I choose? <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. All right, that all makes sense now. That is the whole reason why this tradition existed, because it didn't want to... <laughs> Jim carousing motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, good times, good times. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so good. You got any What's your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, Gremlins. 100%. Gremlins. And that, yeah, that's an interesting one because it's like a similar deal to the uh, Die Hard gimmick, I guess, right? No. Is it a Christmas Die movie or is it just it, a movie Gremlins that occurs during Christmas? It's, during, it's in a city. It's all about a gift. Gizmo himself is a Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. it, there's Christmas lights up everywhere, it's covered in snow. People are running around, all kinds of Christmas gimmicks everywhere, and then, you know, these little monsters show up. You also so have it's a the, Christmas the movie with monsters. Terrifying Christmas backstory memory of that um the, oh, yes. the female lead that I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the best moments in a movie. Like you're like, Holy shit, this is I thought this was lighthearted killer monster movie, but apparently <laughs> not Yeah. Oh. So those of you who have not seen the movie, uh the main character, Billy, his his girlfriend, uh, doesn't like Christmas and eventually 
He gets and we just think that she's her... like a Scrooge, like the whole time for the most part. You're like, why the fuck does this chick not like Christmas? Not a fan of her. I love Christmas. What's going on here? And then you find out that one year her father, trying to be a great guy, loaded up with presents, attempted to go down the chimney and got stuck <laughs> and passed away. And they only later found him when they tried to open the chimney one day and start a fire. Because and of the smell. Like... <laughs> yeah, the smell. They were cooking bad. <laughs> oh, my God. It's one of the most fucked up things. So they have to open up the wall and get him out. And yeah, you just see Billy, the character. He's just like in shock because yeah it's probably the most one of the most crazy things you could ever hear about somebody's parents yeah yeah at that point you're like well all right i i can i can kind of understand how that would give someone a negative association for christmas another uh underrated christmas movie that people should it's kind of like the diehard thing it's Mm. based around christmas so it's a christmas movie is kiss kiss bang bang it's a shane black movie same guy who did die hard believe it or not uh and did uh well he did a bunch of like last boy scout a ton of movies shane black's awesome but yeah kiss kiss bang bang it's got robert downey jr and val kilmer uh as the two main characters so pretty great if you haven't seen Mm. it chris i have not out that sounds tremendous. I think I'll have to add that onto the old Christmas movie watch list this year. And it, it's also like a noir detective thing, so it's pretty neat. Oh, you know how much I love my neo-noirs. All <laughs> noirs, really. I'm not going to limit neo-noirs. it just to neo-noirs. I like my classic 1930s noirs even more. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But if you do end up checking out, let me know what you like. I sure will. Same for our listeners. Someone just, if people actually listen to this show, which I'm still unsure that anyone actually does. I've never got a tweet from anybody. <laughs> so. Only except for the people who already are my friends and they say, yeah, I'm listening to the show just to let, let me know, hey man, somebody's out here listening. That's cool, but hardly yeah. anybody does. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Alicia and Courtney both started listening at first, but then you're like, how I live with these fuckers. Why do I want to spend an hour of my time away from them or two hours listening to them talk about wrestling? Courtney just listens to it until I say something that aggravates her, and then she'll be like, why the fuck did I listen to this? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think we should check that long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure our, uh, our show is uh, uh, listened entirely to by bots, not actually real people. <laughs> Well, we should start talking in binary code so they know what's yeah, up. Yeah, let's just zero, check zero, some zero, one, one. zeros and ones. Make them feel appreciated. The zero 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 one 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 zero one and only ricochet. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. I apologize, everyone, for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think my my favorite Christmas movies are your your real cheesy classic kind of ones. You know, like um, I as it's almost like an Australian tradition. I don't know if it's a thing over there. Every Christmas night, Channel 9 just plays uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation every single year. And every single year I watch it, and every single year I, I just love it more and more. We don't have any channels that play that specifically, but that is a fantastic Christmas movie. Uh, the, the common trope around up here is they play "It's a Wonderful Life." Oh, all that's a great one. Day on some channels, like literally, it's the only thing they play. I think it's like on TNT. Just "It's a Wonderful Life" over and over and over. I've never actually watched the entire thing in one sitting ever, and I don't think I've actually saw it entirely at all. 
That seems just... like a great drinking game movie. Just everyone sits down and watches uh, that movie on repeat. Uh, just have certain things that are the, the drinking game things, and you just get plastered. Yeah, you'd have to tell me the rules, because I have no idea. <laughs> mm. We'd have, I'd have to sit down and watch this movie again to work out some, some rules here. But... I know there's a Clarence reference. That's all I really know. Is that, is that the angel Clarence? Mm. It's been a while. It's been a while. Mm. Uh, other than that, uh, the Muppets Christmas movie, also a, a great favorite of mine. Um, and yeah, other than that, just watching like old Christmas cartoons, like that always kind of warms my heart, like the old Looney Tunes kind of episodes that always have something extremely offensive in them on rewatch, which I kind of <laughs> love. <laughs> a lot of old cartoons didn't give a fuck. Like there'd be ones where... Like Donald Duck or somebody would get a shotgun blast in their face, and, they, and then it's clearly they're doing like a blackface joke in the next segment, like or a second of him, like, oh, yeesh, okay, never mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Questionable material from cartoons in our day. Yeah. Now just edgy and offensive. <laughs> from Donald Duck of all people. Or no, Daffy Duck of all people. Uh, but there, there's like a. I mean, when you watch that older stuff, that in you know today's day and age is is somewhat uh, crude and, and offensive. There's like a playfulness and like nostalgicness to it that somehow <laughs> makes it okay, at least in my mind. And I may be just a terrible person <laughs> for thinking that, but when I watch I it, I'm like, terrible. this is no. fine. This is like you couldn't get away with this today, but this is hilarious right now. <laughs> uh, the movie the from Disney, like the song of the South, they don't even reference it anymore because it was so offensive. Uh, it's, it's definitely not featured on Disney plus. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Ooh, that'll be one to check out. <laughs> yeah. The song of the South, man. No. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Uh, heckle and Jekyll, the two freaking, uh, scarecrow or not scarecrows, actual crows. Have you remember that cartoon back in the day? Heckle and Jekyll it was two crow buddies. That was pretty racist. So yeah, and- yeah. They were basically like, like, black guys but they were yeah. pros um yeah. but they just got all of like the black guy jokes and like stereotypes and shit in there yeah yeah and i love me some heckle and jekyll as a kid i had no idea like as like, you get older like wait a whoa, what the fuck why is this so entertaining am <laughs> <laughs> i not allowed to laugh at this anymore yeah love heckle and jekyll shit <laughs> <laughs> This is probably the only podcast wrestling associated that had Heckle and Jekyll referenced ever. It's got to be a record. You know, when you initially said Heckle and Jekyll, I was envisioning them as like a a, a wrestling Christmas themed tag team of like two two guys that just hate Christmas named Heckle and Jekyll. That would be great. Why are the there probably has been a tag team called Heckle and Jekyll. Like I feel like at least when the the headbangers were still a thing, maybe just during Christmas they could become Heckle and Jekyll. <laughs> <laughs> what a new gimmick! They have the what the sisters of love, uh, headbanger Mosh and Thrasher, and then Heckle and Jekyll. <laughs> you know they um they came out and did a tour of Australia not long ago, like a couple of years ago for International Assault. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, I actually got to see the fucking headbangers wrestle two fucking Queensland wrestling schlubs who could not wrestle for shit, and then the headbangers just beat the shit out of them. <laughs> it just tickled Fuck me yeah. so much. Thrasher, he used to be, Glenn used to be really, uh, 
really active on Twitter. I don't see them anymore. Maybe I got blocked and I just don't know. But he used to be pretty damn active on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. He was, um, he did way more in wrestling. Like, if you research, I think, like, Chaz, Chaz as well, like, both of them, outside of the headbanger gimmick, actually did quite a bit of stuff more than most people would assume. Huh, that's actually quite shocking. Yeah, yeah. And um, apparently, uh, Thrasher did, like, a tour of uh, FMW, I believe, where he was just called The Thrasher. And he was basically doing the whole headbanger gimmick as just a solo act. And this is before the headbangers were, were ever a, a thing in WWF. You know what? Actually, I do remember. He, did he discuss that on the show with Colt? Maybe. Because I think yeah, I, yeah. I listened to that same show, but then I probably forgot about it. And then I saw a, a picture and a story shared in one of the uh, FMW History Facebook groups that I'm part of mm-hmm. recently. And, uh, yeah. Man, I love me some FMW. Did I tell you I've been I've been going back and watching like a bunch of the really early nineties, like eighty nine, ninety start of FMW stuff. I uh, you did not say that, but that sounds fun. A lot of uh, really insane shit going on back then. It is the the best part is that the company kind of hasn't worked out what it wants to be yet. So it's like this beautiful amalgamation of like the deathmatch stuff is is there, but not like the whole thing yet. They're also sort of like a semi-shoot-style company where, like, Onita is just facing, like, Muay Thai experts and, like, karate fighters and shit in, like, (laughs) supposed shoots. Some of which are actually fucking incredible just spectacle matches. He had a a great, like, one against uh, Leon Sphinx, I think? What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous shit. Um, and, And then in addition to that, you had, like, weird ass lucha libre happening where they're using like um tijuana luchadors and stuff and indie luchadors on the the lower half of the cards so you'll just have like two fucking like conan wrestled um i think the original Rey mysterio in in one of the the early matches on on one of the early cards that i watched that's something if you like told people or said do you believe that this match actually happened they would probably tell you you're bullshitting them yeah. Look at FMW, what? No. It did. Conan was terrible. <laughs> I love me some Conan, but he, he was not a very good wrestler uh, in this particular match. But anyway. I think that's probably when Conan was uh, at his most juiced, probably. Most likely. Yeah, he, he got yeah. his real big uh, Hulk Hogan draw level kind of thing in the early 90s there in uh, in Mexico. So maybe this was just before that. I don't know. But yeah. There's that classic picture of him and Hogan like standing together holding a title and just pointing at each other. Have you seen that picture? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> so ultimate good. clash. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, they, they also have, like, just an incredible women's division. Like, and that was very different for that, that time because, like, in, and still in Japanese wrestling, predominantly you don't see women and and men on the same card. You have women's companies, you have men's companies. Um, and just... Well, I, I would... Anyway, we're not getting into that. (laughs) I know you were joking, and I didn't want to uh, take it to a dumb... Why why doesn't New Japan have any women wrestlers? Yeah, exactly. That's what I want to know. That's sexist right there, New Japan. Mm, Yeah, I don't want to have to watch me any stardom. I just want to watch me some New Japan World and see my women's wrestling on there. Oh, man. (sighs) Uh, But, no, so they, they... 
it was really interesting because they had all Japan's women, all Japan women, which was like a huge phenomenon at the time, like just drawing gangbusters and, and doing great business everywhere. And then they were doing so well that they actually had so many talented women that a bunch of them weren't getting the proper shot that they felt they deserved and they left. And then Onita was like, hey, come here. Well, you guys can wrestle on our shows. And he didn't just like right. treat them as like a, you know, women's break kind of match where it's just like oh here's the novelty of having women like they had a proper like uh i want to say like a, like a proper level of respect given them where they were like actually presented as like fucking awesome wrestlers and had great feuds uh culminating in the big famous um Megumi kudo combat toyota match which a lot of people say is the greatest match in fmw history um, definitely one of the greatest matches in, in women's wrestling history of the 90s, I would say. You ever see that one? I don't believe so. I'm pretty sure I have it, but that is a fucking amazing name. Mm-hmm. Combat Toyota. Yep, yep. Big badass, okay. badass heel of the, the 90s. And uh, Kudo was uh, just, just one of those perfect baby faces that you just really want to get behind. Uh, and she also invented the Kudo driver that we now know as the cop killer. Oh shit! Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I, I prefer Vertebreaker. That's just me. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I love me some some Sugar Shane. We we need more more Vertebreaker. What were they? Were they called the Vertebreaker Girls or the the Sugar? What was their name? The dancers that he. Uh, were they the Sugar Smacks? The Sugar Smacks. Yeah, that was what? his name of his move. Actually, <laughs> that's what he called it. Super Kick, I think. Actually, never mind. <laughs> but called... Sugar Smacks is a cereal. If they were called the Sugar Smacks, I will fucking eat my hat. That is hilarious. <laughs> what do you even Google search to find out what Shane Sugar Shane's I would Shane's say, what were girl? Sugar Shane's backup dancers' names? Googling that right now. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we should definitely watch that that big um, explosion cage deathmatch blow-off between Kudo and uh, Toyota on an upcoming episode. I think, I think you'd dig it. All right, I'm down with that. Uh, but yeah, overall, would totally recommend early 90s FMW. It's just the, the greatest grab bag of all sorts of nutty wrestling. And you'll actually get some fucking great matches in it as well that are kind of shocking. Uh, one of my big favorites out of it has been um, Tarzan Goto. You ever hear much of, of his name before? I think you've mentioned it before, but not much. That, yeah. Again, old school Japanese wrestlers is not necessarily my forte. Yeah, 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 no problem, no problem. But yeah, big, big, girthy, badass dude um, who, if you, yeah, the more you watch of him, the more you're like, holy shit, this guy could actually go. He was great. Um, but yeah, I have Google searched, what were Sugar Shane's dancing girls? And the first thing that's come up on Wikipedia that I don't think is related, but is hilarious, sex bomb girls. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope that is it. They're just straightforward about it. Yeah, those are the sex bombs. Don't worry about them. No, I'm just coming up with articles for aspiring sugar babies. Um, yeah, this is maybe it is sugar babies. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> anyway, again, if any of you bots actually uh, listen to this show, <laughs> please let us know. <laughs> uh, um, fucking what else, man? What what have what have you been watching in the world of wrestling lately? Uh man, honestly, I've just been watching and critiquing 
finally with and worrying about the ratings of this damn monday or wednesday night war man no i'm just (laughs) you know it's it's a less enjoyable show if you find out less people watched it (laughs) yeah after i was done i found the ratings were the same well these shows must be evenly the same they're they're probably just as good as one another yeah you know i I watched the show and i thought damn that was a good show and then the ratings came out the next day and i was like oh i guess that wasn't as good as i thought it was not a good show (laughs) And then apparently Meltzer was uh, comparing the most recent episode of AEW to Nitro, and he said it's not in a good way. That's I may have he may have been misquoted. You know, I didn't actually listen to the episode, but that was the gist apparently of what he said. Well, there is a pro- proliferation of uh, misquoting of Meltzer on the Twitter. Yeah, pretty, pretty sure there's like people with that as their actual handle. That wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. I do, I do follow. Um, is it is it Dave Meltzer's jeans? That's a pretty good one. <laughs> uh, there's Dave Meltzer from the future too, or Dave. I don't know if Dave Meltzer from the '80s is real. I, I don't know because I think he's just a gimmick. But mm-hmm. all those Dave Meltzer accounts are pretty hysterical. Dave Not Meltzer's as hysterical jacket, as Dave himself. I think's another one. Dave himself is pretty funny. Oh yeah. Times. Yep, yep, yep. He uh, he still uh, it's admirable at this point the amount that he will still respond to obvious trolls. Like, you'd yep. think that he would have gotten over it this past few years, but he still does, and bloody bless his heart for it. The funniest to me is when he clearly is responding to someone who he wasn't tagged, and he must have, like, seeked it out, like somebody talking about him. He vanity searching, or he searched for a keyword and looking for Melter involved, and like, dude, you don't need to do that. That's going a little bit too far to defend your opinion. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, these you days think... you do have a lot of stuff just come up in your feed. from the. If you follow, like, a good amount of people in the wrestling industry, you're going to see stuff that you don't even give a fuck about or, like, wouldn't even want to see anyway. And you're like, I don't follow this person. Why am I even seeing this? But, like, you know, someone liked it or whatever. Yeah, you can change your filter so you don't have to see other people's likes, apparently. Yeah, but then I sometimes will miss out on stuff because, like, then I've sometimes I, I find people that just like post something that I in no way would have seen otherwise, but because someone liked it, I'm like, and then I check the person's account and I'm like, man, all of this is gold. Like, there was, fair, fair. There was a guy recently that his whole shtick is just, um, like, uh, just shoot style, just praise of the, the mighty man that Akira Maeda was, really. And uh, Nokiaism and just like all that shit that I just fucking love and just making hilarious uh, puns based on it and it's just it's like my favorite account right now. The puns. manliness of, uh, of of Japanese eighties and nineties shoot style wrestling doesn't get more <laughs> rough than that. Fair, fair, damn crazy Nokiaism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I see people talking about that all the time. Like it's still be like this is a Nokiaism at its finest. I'm like what the fuck? This it just became a cliche talking point now. I love it. But, well, it's because and it's funny you mentioned the Dave Meltzer thing. It's because Dave Meltzer, as much as I love him, he like creates certain narratives that aren't necessarily true. But because you know you get it from a lot of journalists. Um, insofar as as like when they're talking about stuff they'll they'll create a certain narrative just to suit the the article which is fine sure you know that that's generally what happens when you write about things and make a documentary about things but 
uh, people take it to heart so much, like especially the New Japan thing, right? And and Dave's kind of created this narrative that uh, Jado and Gato uh, through Okada and, and the rise of Tanahashi rescued New Japan from the, the depths, the, the dark days of the early 2000s of uh, Nokiaism and making out that they weren't drawing flies and the company almost went under. But then, you know, these guys brought it back up. And thanks to Okada, we have the great New Japan we have right now. Which, you know, but makes a fine article. But it's fucking not true whatsoever. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you look on, on Cage Match or you look anywhere where there's attendances. And the attendances of, of this, these dark days of Enochism when you had, like, all these nuts, like, um, shoot fighters feuding with New Japan guys and... Like uh, Kazuyuki Fujita, Pride Legend, um, as the IWGP champion, which I will say is one of my favorite fucking IWGP heavyweight runs of all time. Far more entertaining than anything Okada's ever done. But I digress. Uh, but yeah, like those those shows, they were doing huge business back then. They were doing like multiple Tokyo Dome shows a year, which they're only trying for the first time this year since then. They're doing big stadium shows multiple times per year in multiple cities. Like, they were doing huge business, and yet it's the dark days of New Japan, you know? Uh, but, yeah, I think that's where you get the, the people that think, you know, some people think Enochism is a dirty word, and then you get other people that are like, nah, fuck, man. Shoot-style wrestling. MMA badasses in a New Japan ring. It was great. So I guess that's kind of where the Enochism polarizing thing comes from. Understood. I appreciate the explanation. Yeah, I don't know. That's just how I see it, because I love that kind of shit. Um, I have been... This morning, you know what I was watching? What? I was watching some Memphis wrestling featuring one of the greatest underrated feuds that I, I bet a lot of people haven't seen between the uh, the fabulous ones and the Moondogs, because uh, we had, uh, it was Moondog Spot that, that died this past week, right? Uh, I, you know what? That one I missed. Holy shit, I feel terrible. A legend I missed that passed away. Did, apparently it did not get very much, uh, I'm always on the Twitter, apparently it didn't get much traction. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I saw they had a nice write-up for it in the Wrestling Observer. Um, Dave Dave had a really good thing um, about him on uh, Wrestling Observer Radio, I, I think. Uh, um, but, yeah. But can't, so, I guess I can't take any indication just by Twitter, Jeremy. Come on, get your shit together. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it depends who you follow, right? Yeah, very true. Um, but, yeah, so I was like, I want to watch the Moondogs. And... Um, Wait, so no, Moondog Spot died in 2003 of a heart attack. So I'm thinking maybe it was Moondog Rex. Let's see here. Yes, yes, Moondog Rex Randy Colley uh, passed away uh, on the 14th of December, sadly. Dang, I didn't realize how... I knew I was familiar with the tag team of the Moondogs, but I didn't realize that their litter was so big. Oh, it was, man. When you look into it, there was, like, so many other Moondogs and iterations, which you get with any, like, famous tag team. Like, same thing with, like, the Fabulous Kangaroos. If you look at all the people that were actually in that over the years, or, like, the Von Brauners, or, like, any of those dudes that were big stars, like, you know, wrestlers. Hey, this guy's not wanting to team up, do the tag team anymore. 
I'll get this other guy and throw him in his spot and say that he was a cousin know, or a nephew, yeah, brother-in-law. Yeah, that's my brother-in-law, Moondog Jeff. Hmm. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I was watching some some Moondogs matches, and this is one of their, their most famous feuds, and was also on that um, list of the the hundred bloodiest wrestlers that I'm doing the illustration for. So I was oh, like, okay. hey, this works out well, boom. And uh, I, I get fucked up with doing this list because whenever there's a match like that, you go on YouTube, and then they have all of like the promos and shit that built it up, and it's like I don't want to watch the match without watching these fucking awesome promos. So then I end up spending like half a day watching like every promo and match of their entire multi-year feud. <laughs> kind of slows down my illustration work a little bit, but I like to I imagine so. think of myself as a completist. Um, yeah, uh, what were you doing? Plenty of research before this drawing was done. Plenty of research. <laughs> it's true. Um, but yeah, holy shit, this feud and everything was great. Uh, basically, like, there's even like just an amazing um, YouTube hype video. Like, you remember when they used to do the music videos for like Memphis Wrestling for like a, a hot team that's coming in or whatever. And they Hell just yeah. have the you, you need to check this out at some point. There's just like a hype video. I think it was called like uh original Moondogs music video. And it's from, from Memphis and it's on YouTube right now. And it's the most shoddy video quality you'll ever see. It's this like weird, awesome southern song about Moondogs that I guess is where they got the name for the gimmick from. Um and it's just these two big southern country boys uh wallowing around in the swamp. And eat, <laughs> eating meat off of big bones <laughs> and scratching their heads. I like how that back in the day that they're, all right, how are we going to get over this gimmick? All right, we're going to get you in a swamp. You're going to eat meat <laughs> directly off the boat. You're like animals. You won't believe it. And it fucking worked because this is like the yeah. biggest drawing feud of the year. Yeah, yeah. Like, people like, did you see these animals? They eat meat directly off the bone. Well, I mean, that wasn't everything. So they do that, then they come in. Fabulous ones are, like, looking all, all pretty. Fresh and, as hell. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, them with their sparkly sequin jackets and everything coming out with all of the women, like, kissing them and grabbing their dicks and stuff. Um, <laughs> and then they're, they're ready to have the match. And these moon dogs come out with the devious Jimmy Hart. And they just beat the fuck out of these guys with bones. And they just clobber <laughs> them and make them bleed all over the studio and then there you have a, a fucking hot drawing feud right there pretty straightforward oh and the other thing was they they tore up the the beautiful sequin jackets of the of the um the fabs uh and because they were actually the jackets that were given to them by uh the, the <laughs> i love Jackie it already Fargo. Because, like, Jackie Fargo was, like, the original fa uh, fabulous one who, like, trained up uh, Steve Kern and, and Stan Lane to to become the, the fabulous ones. He gave them their jackets and everything. And they're like, these jackets. And, like, after they tear out the jackets, they're all hot and they're, like, cutting a promo. And they're like, uh, Jackie gave us these jackets and we swore we'd protect them with all our life. And now you tore up these jackets. <laughs> I like how they had that conversation. Now, if I give you these jackets, you better protect them with all your life. We will, Jackie. We will. <laughs> They're like, you made us lie to Jackie Fox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, it was great. And, like, that, that, like, is just a microcosm of everything I fucking love about, like, 80s and territory wrestling in general. You know? It's just amazing. The last time I remember a good, a good jacket angle was Red Hearted Jean Pierre Lafitte. 
Oh yeah, where he stole the jacket. Oh man. <laughs> but yeah, I would highly recommend anyone who wants to check out some uh, some Moon Dogs versus Fabulous One uh, feud action from Memphis. You will not be disappointed. Good recommendation, sir. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, I've also uh, I've been keeping up with uh, All Elite Wrestling. I've been watching it every week, most of the time live. You've been doing the yep. same, I believe? I have indeed, I have. I use a good old streaming service, so I don't have to worry about waiting an additional three hours to get home and watch it. So mm-hmm. It's a very nice gimmick. Yep, I watch it <clears> on the <throat> lovely uh, Fight TV over here in Australia, where I get to see all of the non no all of the commercial footage so when they stop when they have the picture in picture on the uh tv screens over there for you guys we get to see the whole thing which to start with was like a really awkward you know period of silence uh but now they've, they've really they're making a lot more of that time i feel especially jericho fuck me have have you been watching jericho's stuff whenever there's a commercial they the one I was watching for the the first couple episodes they did have it but now they don't have it anymore they they or they do or the, whoever's running the stream plays something else because they don't care apparently uh, but yeah they were awesome like when Jericho would be just bullshitting with the crowd yeah and sometimes asking him what the hell they were chanting so he can have, think of a reply for it it was fucking great yeah he he is just the man when it comes to that like for this one uh, this past week. Because they're, they're playing up the picture-in-picture picture of it on TNT. Because apparently that's what they have, like, in a little in a little corner. But you don't get the sound because you're, you know, watching normal commercials. Uh, yeah. So he had a deal where during the break he got um, Sammy Guevara to come out. And he had all of these uh, big signs. So we basically, like, had uh, ten different signs where they, they did a promo. But to say, like, we know that you can't hear us because of the picture-in-picture... But we're too smart for you fucks at TNT, so we're still going to cut a promo anyway via <laughs> writing on signs. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Made a big deal about how the, the Texas fans were semi-literate and they probably couldn't understand it either. Oh, and they got a chant of, we can't read. <laughs> that's beautiful times I, I love just that playfulness and that that's probably my favorite thing about aew at the moment honestly just the amount that uh they'll, they'll give guys free reign to just you know cut their own promo you know same thing as like this territorial wrestling that i love you know it's like the guys cutting a promo being their real selves uh for the most part not including brandy Rhodes, she's a different story uh but you know, just from the heart, promos, off the cuff, not this bullshit, you know, written by a fucking uh, Hollywood writer and proof, uh, proofed by, like, six different channels before I actually say it and, and pre-rehearsed. Like, it just comes across as more organic. Like, I love that. Like, that, that's what I feel like wrestling should be. I mean, what, what do you it, think about that? Agreed. It's like a, it's a fun wrestling show put on by wrestlers who are having a good time putting the show on, you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. They're all, everyone looks like they're having a good time out there for the most part. So, and it comes across, sometimes it's almost lackadaisical where it doesn't seem like they're necessarily taking themselves too seriously, which is maybe a bad thing at points in times. But overall, I think it's fucking great. Mm. I mean, there's sometimes when like, because they're just doing it like that and it's organic, sometimes stuff gets a little bit fucked up or it's not quite perfect. But I think that adds to the overall thing, right? Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be seamless. 
I think, yeah, but trying, but I think maybe I'm basing off the fact that they're trying to be the counterpoint to WWE, whereas mm-hmm. it's so polished. They're so polished that stuff like that wouldn't make it to air at times. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, fucking fucked up stuff with the referees and I don't know who necessarily to blame that on when fucking referees don't count pinfalls or maybe it wasn't supposed to be a pinfall you know what I mean and that's why they didn't count it and <laughs> I don't know those kind of things are just little hiccups and I guess they'll get smoothed out in times but when you're coming out of the gates saying that we're going to be the awesome company that's going to be consistent or the alright here's my big sticking point these damn mm-hmm. ratings why did they have to make that such a big deal like because now the ratings don't even necessarily come into play like uh chris statlander she but like who who do you mean i think like to me it's more the the dickheads on twitter third parties that make it a big deal i don't think aew is out here you know well they originally said that ratings would they said that would the rankings wouldn't matter but i I do you mean rankings or tv ratings Rankings. I said. I meant, oh, I said rankings. okay. Sorry, sorry. I thought you were talking about the ratings. All right, continue. No, no, no. Yeah, the rankings of like the wrestlers, like their pin, their wins and losses. And mm-hmm. I'm not speaking about the Jungle Boy scenario because that's they very specifically made that important a different storyline angle. But mm-hmm. with like Chris Statlander, the number one contendership matches after being on the show for two weeks, and that seems well, weird. <laughs> I I was looking for whatever reason at the women's rankings the other day. Fucking, I don't know why. Um, but and I was looking at it, and I was fine with Statlander being up there because if you compare her amount of singles victories compared to losses versus the other women in that top five, her record like seemed like oh yeah, that makes sense that she's in that position regardless of how you know shorter time she's been there. Like when you have fucking uh, it, what, what's her name, uh, Emmy Sakura. Uh, yeah. as, as the fifth on there when she's got like a fucking negative record like that's the part where i'm like this just by her being there with like such a bad record just tells you like the the lack of depth in this women's division but i wasn't complaining about statlander no no that's actually i was just speaking of statlander because it was the most recent thing that happened but yeah emmy yeah. another thing she had multiple title shots what didn't she like and she's not she's been losing predominantly most of the time mm-hmm. i don't know i i think they putting so much emphasis on it makes it something that people kind of have a sticking point on, which they shouldn't have. Like they, they just do the show. Don't say wins and losses matter so much. If at points in times, it clearly doesn't. Well, I mean to play devil's advocate to me, Devil away, man. I, I like the, uh, the, the rankings, even if like there's, there's bits that are sticking points where saying, Hey, that person shouldn't be ranked there. Hey, that person, you know, should be higher or lower or whatever. That's that's what you get in real sports that have rankings, you know. If you you have the the UFC rankings, you have like uh, like like football rankings or whatever, um, you're always going to have people saying, "Hey, that's bullshit. This person should be higher. This person should be lower." Like that's just inherent with the, with the system of rankings. And to me, to actually get people talking about that um, and and bringing up wins and losses. That's what you want. Like, that's an ideal scenario. Like, that's making people care about wins and losses, which was their, their thing from the get-go. So, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't it. like the rankings. I like the rankings. I'm just saying that they themselves as a company said that this would be what we're basing all the title shots and stuff off. Like, that stuff doesn't necessarily – you don't have to put so much 
emphasis on that being so important if it doesn't end up being that important. You know what I mean? Like that's the common gripe you see on the fucking with the fans on Twitter. Like, what the fuck? These these rankings don't make any fucking sense. Well, they're normally explainable though. Like I remember there was one that I was a little bit iffy on. Maybe it was like Scorpio Sky getting his, his shot after getting like that one victory. But I think that was that was fine because like, you know, someone beats the champ, regardless of their ranking, they shoot to the top. And that's been like the history of wrestling, right? Um, but I mean overall there's no real ones that I've just think, Oh, this is preposterous. Why even have rankings at this point, you know? I think it it's difficult, like, to, to kind of juggle. Especially I think early on, like like Park had, had such a he he was um had had such a stellar amount of wins and yet he was not the number one contender and he got like scooped for the, the title shot by like who was it, like Darby Allen or something? I believe that is the case. Yeah. Yeah, I am not I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm just saying Yeah, maybe it's just a balancing act. Have it part of the story. Yeah, exactly. They're just don't make it something you're leaning on so hard on if you're not actually going to make it that important. I, But, it, you know, again, these are like things that are going to get rubbed out and eventually grind off these edges and everything will be fine. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, like, now that we're, what, like 11 weeks in of the Dynamite TV show, how there's, like, certain <laughs> stuff that early on you let, you let fly because you're like, oh, it's early. But then at this time it feels like this is where all the gripes are kind of coming out because we're like far enough in to where it's like, all right, this is starting to really fucking bug me. Um, I, I still think like overall the good outweighs the bad. 100%. And like I, I fucking love the Jericho thing. I love pretty much everything Cody does. Um, like just the actual logical storytelling I think is fantastic. Like all the Moxley stuff, the slow build of the feud between Moxley and Jericho I think is great. Darby's um, character is developing really awesome. Oh, Darby. He's, he's like my favorite part. Like when Darby, that music hits and you just hear that fucking pop in the building and then he yep. comes down on the skateboard and just gets this rock star reaction. They got something fucking special with him, man. And I'm, I'm excited to see it. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of good stuff going on. Like Rio as well, for example, like as much as she was kind of like dogged a little bit early on, I think she's been, she's easily been the best thing about the women's division full stop in all elite wrestling in my opinion uh and to be go back on stalender i think she's fucking awesome i i hope they put the title on her because she's fucking great and they have a chance they have a chance to really build a fucking like their mgf mjf was already over before he got to aw but but they could make a star oh no don't get me wrong don't get me wrong but they could legitimately make a star Mm -hmm. with statlander like someone who could be a feature of the show you know what i mean yeah, I'm I'm a fan of Statlander, especially a wrestling. Um, but fuck, I, did you see that uh, dark episode that she cut? I don't know if it was dark, but she cut this promo backstage, and I was like, "This is maybe the worst promo I've seen this year." And they better make sure not to ever let her talk again. It was like that level of fucked up. You see this? Yeah, there, I did. I did see a really awkward promo with her, yeah. and I think that's maybe why on the most recent episode she didn't say anything. Yeah. She just pointed. <laughs> oh, when when they built it up and like now she's gonna cut a promo, and they had um, Tony like introduce them. Like, what are they doing? This is the one. <laughs> but then they treated it well. You know, they did a good job. Oh, dude, my favorite part of the episode was Jim Ross apologizing every time he said anything about anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw a thing on Twitter where they're like, "Fuck." We've broken Jim Ross. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Good job. Good job. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, 
Hey, and I don't mean it. That might be offensive to some people. I'm, I'm just saying she's a, she's a strong woman. I'm like, what the fuck, JR? <laughs> You're just saying she's strong. You're not saying Oriental this time. It's little varying degrees of where you can pe- offend people. And I this is not was, one of them. He was scared about... Like you could tell, because he's trying to say, you know, she's got the weight advantage, so she's gonna have that going for her. She's strong, blah blah. blah. Uh, and he, but he, he clearly, and this goes back to what Dave Meltzer has received a lot of shit for on Twitter as well, in uh, saying, you know, she's bigger, got the, you know, and then people are like, whoa, did Dave Meltzer? He said Peyton Royce was, was lighter. Fat? He said he was, she was lighter. I think he was actually talking about her tan or something like that. Yeah. Oh no, she was, to- was talking about her implants, right? Oh, maybe that's what it was, or no? Yeah. Maybe that's what people have thought he was saying. No, he no, was he was saying... he was saying about that, but then people took it to think that he was saying that she'd gotten fat when he was just <laughs> trying to elude without saying that she'd gotten a tit job. Uh, that you know she's a bit bigger than before, and everyone's like, "Whoa, Dave Meltzer is fat shaming Peyton." Ross. I'm talking about Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think maybe Jr. was a bit worried that people were going to think he was fat shaming or something when he was trying to... He did it later about something else too. I was like, what the fuck, bro? It's okay. Just do your commentary. And people responded like, he just needs to go home. I'm like, no, he doesn't. You're... It's not all or nothing all the time. Jr. Yeah. made a fucking club. Now he's overcorrecting. We just... He needs to find a happy meme. It does kind of look like make him look dumb that he doesn't understand what the happy medium is. He's just being super apologetic, but well, you know, hard. he's like, an old guy. Like put yourself oh, in the, yeah. I mean, any of these people that criticize him, like put yourself in that position and like Dude, even would, Excalibur, like Excalibur is a fucking incredible announcer as we've seen for many, many years in PWG, but there's certain moments when he gets caught up or says the wrong thing or gets a little bit, you know, weird in the moment. And it's like, that's to be expected. Jeez. People can make mistakes. Okay. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think Jr. was really good this week. He did confuse the Butcher and Blade's names a little bit, and then he like apologized for it and kind of like made a joke, which I thought was kind of endearing. Like, it's I don't know. It's, it's like Tony with Matt and Nick. He can't figure which the fucking guy is which guy. <laughs> and then Jr. Do you see how he says, "Well, his his name." Oh, I don't know whether this was on commercial, but he was like, "Well, I shouldn't be getting it wrong. His name's right there, big across his ass." And he's like, "Oh." <laughs> Sorry, TSN. <laughs> like, not supposed to say ass. <laughs> but no, I enjoyed it. My uh, my only real criticisms of the show at this point are the overly uh, goofy shtick kind of stuff, which if it was like on an indie show, I think would be fine. But for some reason in this setting, I think it just doesn't quite fit. Like the, the more comedy or goofy kind of oriented stuff. And then just the... Um, the Stuff that makes the referees look silly, like the yeah. last week's match with with uh, Emi Sakura and um, Big Swole, I think. Uh, I I did not like that match at all, but I really didn't like the shit where they were like playing with uh, Bryce with the fucking uh, microphone thing yeah. and just making him look like an idiot. And like that's a spot that would have been fine if it happened in Shikara. Like people think it would be funny or whatever or beyond or whatever. But in this scenario, I'm like this just didn't feel right you know yep i agree with that uh and other than that just i was not been a fan of this whole brandy weird additional cult with the hair collecting and just completely i don't believe a single word that comes out of her mouth you know you just just someone feels like miscast it's like brandy just seems like a really nice person and this just feels like a completely fake character that is not her at all i don't know what do you think about that one the nightmare collective 
I like the concept overall, but I agree. Brandy's not the right person to put in that position. Like, it could have definitely been. I mean, I guess it couldn't have been anybody else because nobody else could be considered the, that power figure within AEW. Hey, if so, they yeah. got rid of Brandy and just put like fucking Jim Mitchell in her position, I think it would have gotten over great. Yeah, yeah, but like being but Brandy has power in the company, maybe like that's the influence. Like Jim Mitchell right. wouldn't have influence over the company, right. but. I somebody did say something hilarious like if uh, this whole haircutting thing doesn't end up with Brandy wearing some fucked up multicolored wig, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> well, like they they lose a hair match or something, and then Brandy ends up doing the old um, buddy. Uh, what's the name? Uh, World class from the Freebirds, where he got his head shaved and he was wearing the wig. Buddy Rogers. No, not uh, not Buddy Rogers. Oh, not Buddy, Buddy Roberts. Buddy, Buddy Roberts. Roberts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where he has the wig, and like every time the baby faces take his wig off, it gets the biggest pop. So yeah, Brandy's going to have they, to get her head shaved. I think they were more saying that she'd wear it on top of her current hair, like some chicks wear uh, wigs, but that can be fun too. I'm also. It is clear at this point that she is looking for, all right, where she got the hair extension, then they just cut out the hair extension. There was no actual hair being cut off whatsoever. Oh, dude, now you're, you're fucking killing me. You're killing the gimmick. Oh, no. Kayfabe, kayfabe. Shit. It's fizz, Briz. Uh, uh, any, any other thoughts? I, I love the Jungle Boy Jericho thing this week. I thought it was perfect. I couldn't believe I saw people complaining about it. I liked it. I also uh, liked the sit-down interview with Jungle Boy. Yes. I thought that was he came off really good in that. Yeah, 100%, man. That was great. I mean, when I saw this initially happening, I was thinking it was going to be like that... Um, that David Von Erich Carly Race gimmick, where it's like, all right, if he gets through uh, him in the, the ten minutes, but then, um, but then it actually was uh, David getting the upset and beating um, Harley Race during the ten minutes, which no one expected. I thought that's what they were going to do here, but I mean, I was fine the way they did it, where he just lasted the ten minutes and got really over. And I wish they had it played up his his fact that he hasn't actually gotten a win did they mention that uh i think they did at the beat like that's why he got the match like because right. jericho found him no challenge uh but yeah honestly i tweeted out before the match went down i was hoping for like actually a quick fluke roll-up win just to like mm. that would have been so fun like the crowd would have popped jericho would look goofy and silly but he could fucking freak out about it jack would look dope. He would have got that fine, the first win in his fucking W column. It, mm-hmm. But the, the way they win also was still fucking cool. Yeah, I think like what they did probably like got an even better reaction, like and got Jack even more over than if he had gotten a fluke pin. You know, the fact that he like lasted and looked really good, and that dive spot I thought was awesome as well. His like family being there and everything. The one actually, the one thing I don't really care for on the show right now is mm-hmm. fucking actually. Uh, Tully and Sean Spears. This whole search for a tag team partner. It, it it's kind of goofy and silly. I I don't necessarily. Maybe it's just because I don't know where they're going yet. But I'm just not necessarily digging that particular vibe. And I don't know. There's Sean seems. Guys, I, right? Sean is like a good hand, but he seems like a a vacuum of personality. I I actually really liked his like serious promos, like given. Tully time with the promos, like I was thinking, this had real potential. Like he's a he's a great wrestler, Sean Spears as well. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking the only thing against it was they're not protecting him whatsoever. You know, they had him lose the first match against fucking Cody, and then like he's, he's 
hasn't really gotten any big dominant wins since. Like to me, the only negative was that they weren't um, they weren't putting any steam on it in terms of getting wins to to be the you know current day Tully Blanchard that they're clearly trying to position him as. Well, then they're pushing him into this, and, and I know Tully was a great tag team wrestler, but they're pushing him into this tag team wrestler angle where it's clearly like, almost like what they're doing is like, uh, you know, so they, I don't know, the first one maybe they've acknowledged they fucked it up, so now they're trying something different, and I guess they got someone in mind to bring in as this tag team partner, which I don't know could be good because obviously Tully well, was more fantastic that it, with like, Arn for the storyline and for the character. It's like mm. clearly he's abandoning his aspirations for singles glory like it's like almost he's given up you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean i would have again preferred if they just had him beat a whole bunch of dudes and look real dominant got a decent push but yeah i don't know we'll see where it goes i yep, yep. hated hated last week where they had um fucking uh tully tied up on the on the thing during the the match by Joey, Did you see that and how goofy yeah. that was and just how terrible. That's what I'm it saying, looked. man. All this shit is silly. <laughs> like I'm not enjoying the Sean stuff. Well, I I put mm. that more on Joey. Like that whole execution of that was fucking dumb. Like the way they did it in the end of the match and just the fact that he like wasn't actually tied up at all and it like just made Tully look like well, a that's piece more of on shit. The production and the fucking company itself than Joey. Not like his. So, ankle Joey was the just... one meant to tie him up. You know, if you're there and you can see his arms flailing, fucking hold his arms or tie him back. Do something to rescue the angle. Don't just fucking let him look like an idiot. Tully Blanchard is a weak old man. He can't break a rope. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the tag stuff's been kind of weird as well. Like, I don't know. I feel like there should be more steam on it than there is at the moment. What do you reckon about the tag division? Uh, I think the the titles are on the right team. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's weird that the Bucks have basically been like the afterthought in the the fucking company that they're a big part of in a division that well, definitely should be like positioned them, for them. Them and Kenny are really overtly trying not to be like Nash Hall and Hogan. Yeah, and it's fucking dumb because people want to see them win matches. I, I yeah. get what they're doing, but it's almost like burying them in a way. Not completely because they can get a couple wins and be back and running, you know what I mean? So but, benefit of hindsight, is this now saying that Nash Hall and Hogan would like completely in the right <laughs> by burying everybody and putting themselves over? <laughs> well, not, they wouldn't have to bury everybody, but burying themselves is counter productive as my aspect you know like yeah we're the big stars and we're not making ourselves big stars yeah 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 there's <clears> something <throat> something to be said there that being said I, I didn't think the buck should have won the titles back on this show as uh i think dave said he thought it was time for them to get them but i was like ah, uh, i feel like if they just put them on now it's like kind of they should make it a big moment when the, the bucks finally make it back to the top and get those belts not just like an episode of tv i don't know yeah i hear that but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, and yeah, I definitely don't think that uh, all these people overreacting to ratings, like just keep on doing things, put on good matches, do shit that's sensible, get rid of shit that is goofy and doesn't make sense. And yeah, I think it's still a great show. Agreed. Yeah, uh, so we we watched some wrestling this week, didn't we? Yeah, man. In addition to the wrestling we've been talking about, we actually watched a uh, a show 
uh, together that I emailed you about. <laughs> Did you, so they're back on the, the Sendo Girls train. Uh, it's been a little while. Uh, good thing about Sendo Girls is even if you've been out of it for like three or four months, you can pretty much watch the, the main shit that's happened and be caught up in the matter in like a few hours, which I like. Yeah, what it comes down to is it's always going to be fucking amazing wrestling, so you're never let down. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the show that we would, uh, watched, uh, basically the Sendo Girls' big show of the year uh, was uh, called, funnily enough, Sendo Girls' Big Show in Sendai. <laughs> from October this past October 13th um, now this match was uh, headlined by uh, a rematch of, of one that we've actually watched in the past that, that we loved last time uh, the, the Suri uh, Chihiro Hashimoto match so the one I think that's watched. the third one we watched right? yeah I think the third in, in the series um, and there was a, a bunch of other good stuff on this show. Uh, I sent you a couple of links of the show prior. Did you get to those at all? I did, and those ones they were they were great, and they actually kind of featured some people that in the following show that we watched. Actually, I was thinking they were like standouts of the nine uh, of the September show, uh, both being Manami and. Uh, I can't, don't know how to pronounce her name. It's S-Y-U-R-I. Suri. Okay. Both of those girls on the prior show were fucking great. So mm-hmm. what happens in this show that we're about to talk about, it was no surprise. Yeah, yeah. It almost like gave you something to look forward to that you maybe didn't know to look forward to it otherwise. But yeah, yep. we watched the um, the the last kind of like build-up show um, beforehand, uh, one of the matches being Mako Sadamura, a uh, favorite of the show, who you have My now met in person, your new bestie, uh, <laughs> versus uh, extremely talented young girl. Uh, I still feel weird about saying that, young girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're a rookie, that, that kind of thing. Uh, Minami. Uh, and fuck, this was great. Tell me your thoughts. Um, I initially thought that Mako was just going to run through her and mm-hmm. she didn't necessarily completely there. Minami definitely did some good showing. Um, but I was just like tremendously surprised on the, uh, you know, the Minami girl that was not uh, backing down. She was not afraid of Mako. And I was like, this girl is not intimidated at all. It's pretty fucking cool. Mm. I like the dynamic of it. Cause it was like, obviously, um, uh, one of the greatest of, of all time uh, and, and just top of her game, potentially greatest women's wrestler in the world right now, uh, Mako Satomura, against the, the rookie, you know. So you're right, like, people kind of expect she's just going to run through her, but it was like there was a dynamic where it was like Mako Satomura was like, you know, I could kind of kill you right now, but I, I want to, you know, I want to give up. you a chance. I want to, you know, have a, not not like being egotistical, but kind of like just... It's almost like being a nice person who's wrestling someone they know is not as good as them, but they wanna they wanna give them a test and and you know see what they got you know. Yep, and that definitely showed, and it definitely was the the master and the student kind of vibe, which mm-hmm. is great. I I always like that story, especially when yeah, like you said, Mako could literally dominate that girl at any point in time if she wanted to. Mm. Uh, 
And I also like seeing that Mako like is testing that girl before she gets her really big opportunity in the next show. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And like you can totally see the the student teacher kind of thing because like you know that Mako Satomura has has been probably her Minami's main trainer for like her entire life. So yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Uh, and then, yeah, the main event of that show was kind of like a preview tag of, of the main event of uh, the, the, the big show uh, where we had, uh, what was it? It was you and... Um, Hashimoto. You and Shihiro Hashimoto uh, against uh, Siori and Sari. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was worried about pronunciations, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're so damn similar. And they're, uh, Very similar, actually. And like... And- wrestlers too like clearly mm-hmm. they maybe that uh surrey is working very close with surrey yeah 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 i um i agree like you can see that same kind of aggression um stylistically with like the great strikes um and yeah just about their kind of like approach to to wrestling i i love it it was funny almost in this match i was watching it and i was like man i remember surrey being a killer and like you know the ultra aggressive Suri that we've seen in, in matches previous this year. And this match, she was just kind of like, I don't know, just being nice almost. She was not not killing, murdering her opponent. So I was like, man, is her, she lost her edge? I don't I, know. That's why, I think that's why uh, Suri stood out so yes. much. I think she, she was, was almost put... like OG Sari. She's like taking yeah. her place. Yeah, a little back burner actually by Suri, which again, with the, Sari having her big big match maybe maybe they're going in a new angle maybe after she got she uh not to spoil the ending of the fucking show dropping the title maybe there's a a new uh more reserved version of Sari in our future mm. i had um just recently watched the film raging bull about Ooh. uh jake lamada and it was funny i saw some correlation here of the the killer that Jake Lamada was on his way up and when he won the belt and his first, you know, defense to then once he actually lost the motivation, you know, maybe a little something like that was, was the story here. I like it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just completely creating that narrative in my own mind, but that's half that of was the a, fun of watching, you know, Japanese pro wrestling, I think. As, clearly it was a similar narrative that I was feeling maybe a bit too. So you're not, you may not be hundred percent incorrect. Nice. Thank you. Thank you, friend. Uh, <laughs> Confirmed that we're both maybe bullshitting, but we're bullshitting <laughs> about the same thing. <laughs> what was that thing about journalists creating narratives? Yeah. <laughs> As podcasters do it as well. Um, but no, so I guess this, this match was uh, Hashimoto uh, getting the, the big clean win over Sari, making you think, oh shit, I, uh, I guess... Who knows? Is, is she gonna? She's just gonna steamroll her in the main event. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a good good preview of it and set up a, an interesting dynamic going into it. Um, and yeah, I think most of all, I was just really impressed with with Siri, as you mentioned. Hundred percent. And then on to the main show, October thirteen, big show in Sendai. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Whole show flew by for me. I, I started watching it uh, the other night, and I just watched it in one sitting, which I don't necessarily do a lot of the time. 
with wrestling because I'll have other stuff to do or I'll get bored and want to do something else and I'll come back to it. But I just watched this start to finish and it was great. How about you? Flew by. Uh, I, I didn't realize I was near the end of the show until the fucking tag team match started up. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, there's only one more match after this. this we're almost finished up. But, yeah, definitely flew by. Uh, again, super entertaining. The fucking comedy match. I can't say I can't say enough about it. I, I fucking love those girls. They're fucking great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. This was particularly bizarre. This, this yeah. call, it was like a battle royal, right? Um are we going to skip the first match? I mean, we can. Is this I was just going right into over? it because that's the one yeah. you were talking about first. Oh, no, 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 you're good. Uh, yeah, again, weird comedy match. A bunch of people were in the ring. It it appeared the match had already started, but then they introduced somebody else, uh, which was Jaguar Yakota came down. Like, mm-hmm. And it, it appeared the match had already veteran. started, didn't it? I think so. I had. I'm going to be honest. I had no idea what was happening this entire match. There was like okay. a thing hanging from the roof. Uh, that I, thing. Okay, so I, I will. I'm pretty sure I understood what was going on. So the when the match starts out is we we got uh, let me uh, Sakura Hirota in the <laughs> ring. I fucking love her. She's hilarious, and she, she tries she's to. She's grown on me a lot. Like when I first watched her, I'm like, what's this comedy bullshit? But she has really won my heart in watching her. In the her last timing year. is amazing. Dude. She's she hilarious. Has great so it starts out where she's telling. Uh, Sheeta to pull down the thing, but that's actually the thing that was set up there for the end of the match, yeah. for the victory. So as, she's like, as we found out to... later, so I, I yeah. didn't understand this at the moment, but in hindsight, you're right; it makes a bit more yeah. sense now. So she went, get, got her the roll up, and there we go. Started. Uh, <laughs> then we got Egger, who is this scary ghost monster woman that we mm-hmm. talked about before, yep. who everyone's afraid of. But the story of this episode, except this match for is... Jaguar Yakota, she did not give exactly. a fuck. <laughs> yeah, that was the best part. Jaguar clearly had no time for any of the nonsense that was going on in the ring. And Egger was even afraid of her. Like, it was clearly intimidated, and they definitely played that up. Man, dude, I, I love this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, the, the sneaky pins and people getting and eliminated. Egger has the ability to... I, I've What I've translated to, she has the ability to hide in the shadow of the person. Mm. Like... Yeah, so she goes behind them and stands directly behind them with their hands on the shoulder, but nobody can really see that she's there and except for the hands on the shoulder. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're powerless. They can't do shit. Oh my god, the gimmick is so stupid and silly, but I fucking love it. <laughs> I gotta make an anchor shirt. Yeah, you should. We we'll get the reference, as will our bots. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I just everything was so good but yeah jaguar not having any time for any of the nonsense that was going on really amused me she just they kept on getting close-up shots of her face where she was like what the fuck (laughs) what have i gotten myself into here yeah (laughs) and then uh yeah so uh hikaru shida of um all elite wrestling fame who i felt like was meant to be set up as rio's big opponent but she just got fucked in the rankings she got uh, had that loss to uh, Statlander, and now yep. she's she's missed out on her shot. Because I, I, I was looking forward to Sheeta against Rio. Uh, just as Sheeta's a... dope. I I really dig her. Uh, I actually like you. I thought she was going to be the one per- the next person to get the title belt. Like it, it hmm. clearly easy transition from Rita Rio to Sheeta, but I don't know. Or if uh, nothing else, a really badass match. Probably the best in ring match that they could do in that 
AEW women's division, but no, Fair. plans change, I guess. I don't know. Also, I, I have seen her a couple times, and it seems like every time her trunks are falling off on one side. Is that just the design of her trunks? I have thought the same thing in the past. I thought, is there something <laughs> wrong here? And then I'm like, no, that is that is the bizarre design. Mate, oh, okay, I, cool. It appears she gets the designs done through, uh, I'm assuming that the same person that does, um, uh, what's her name? It used to be in um, Big Big Joshi Star who went to WWE. NXT and stuff. Io Shirai? No, no, the the one who was there before that, it was like the badass. Kyrie Sane? Oh, uh, the badass. Huh. The one who was like the killer in NXT for like a year before they brought her up and then did nothing with her. Is she gone now or is she still there? No, no, she's still there. She's like... um, on... Asuka? Yeah, yeah, Asuka. Kata? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kana. Yeah, yeah, so I'm yeah. like maybe there's very similar gear between the two. So maybe Asuka does... um does Hikaru Shida's gear I didn't design. think you were saying her because I di- I'm shocked that that name escaped you but maybe you're not yeah you're not necessarily you're not the WWE guy yeah and also like I wasn't watching Joshi that much at the time when she was a big star in Japan as Kana so yeah yeah understood I, I, mm. but yeah so Shida got the big win here uh and she, she like you said we had that that thing hanging from the ceiling and she pulled the rope and then the whole thing came out and there was confetti and i was just really happy i was impressed by her. yeah <laughs> and then they all brought all these weird gimmicks at the beginning of the match for no reason it turned out and they were all stacked somewhere which i'm assuming all... were like the prizes for the victor right that's that's how i took it I don't know, but there was, like, empty jugs. Like, why would she want to win those things? Like, <laughs> Maybe she gets to fill it up in the back. Like... But the best the thing about it is, like, she literally seemed mad when they came out and took all the stuff away. Like, Yeah. I, that's the part I didn't understand. Everything else came through clearly. It translated perfectly. I don't even need the language. <laughs> I felt like that was the only thing I understood. I'm like, these are clearly the victor's prizes, and then all of these cunts are just stealing her shit. <laughs> I... I Back to kiss the girl's butt a little bit. I love the bit when she's on the rope and she's like, all right, I'm going to do this one. Hey, you guys see that? That was pretty good, huh? Here I go again. Like, <laughs> and she fucks up. But yeah, that was tremendous. I love that girl's timing. She tries so uh, hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the previous match. Yeah, that was... Uh, uh, um, so Rio Mizunami. So she's, yeah. she's Okada lady, right? Yeah, I honestly, I find her really entertaining. Yeah, she had that great match with Satomura on one of the previous shows we watched, right? Yep. Yep. And that was yes. against uh, Eureka Oka, who I, I didn't really know much about Oka. Have we watched her before? I don't believe so. Yeah. So I was assuming maybe she was like a, a student of um, a, a student of um, Mizunami, perhaps. I'm not sure how these things work. Uh, but this was a really fun match. Great opener. Agreed. I I love the big, like you said, Okada lady. She has a big, she kind of does look like Okada and has a big over-the-top gimmick like him. Uh, I do like how she immediately came out and started shaking the hands of every fan, like almost like they weren't expecting it and didn't necessarily want to shake her hand, but she was shaking <laughs> everyone's hand regardless. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> so good. She's like, I'm, com- I'm coming in hard, coming in hot. You're shaking this fucking hand. Uh, <laughs> then... 
I just uh, the other bit I liked is when she was doing the slaps on the fucking chest, where mm. she just kept doing the extended slaps. I don't yeah, like the Kojima kind of ones in the corner. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and then everyone's just clapping with him. Like, ah, oh, that shit, fucking super entertaining. Yeah. So yeah, if if you're watching this show, this is one that you could be tempted to skip, but I wouldn't. I, I finished it, and it was like didn't go that long, but I was like, I'm glad I watched that match. That was actually really fun. Yeah, I see a lot of potential in that Eureka girl. She's mm. got the way she's built is kind of squatty, but her legs are pretty solid. So those low drop kicks, yeah, I dig it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so now on to match three in our wacky order of yeah. things. Uh, this was the Sendo Girls junior title match, so junior division as in underage girls division i guess or did we did we work this out a while back or one of them isn't actually as young as we thought she would be uh oh i think so i think yeah i think shindo's a bit older than that we expected yeah 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 but regardless enough to be like make you slightly uncomfortable for watching these girls wrestle but you shouldn't be because this match was fucking awesome and i i i enjoyed this so much at the whole time I watch these girls, um, uh, Makoto, Shindo, and, and Minami, like I'm just like, how are they that good at, at, at that age? You know, like they, they wrestle in a way to where they, there's just something about it to where it's like they, they just seem like they're actual, actually wrestling and they're, yeah. not, they're not just going through a series of, of pre-organized spots. Like, you know, a lot of guys for the first five years of their career – and even longer will look like that when wrestling. Whereas these girls look like they get it already and they're like fucking, you know, 19 or 17 or whatever. It just blows my mind how good they are. Yeah, I'm, like all the transitions and the struggling for pinfalls and mm-hmm. just immediately escaping and getting another fucking submission or pinfall attempt is, yeah, the fact that this is, it, it looked so real and natural. Like it's one of those times where you actually, oh, I'm actually watching a fight. You know? Yeah. And it felt that's, like that's organic. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Those two girls are badass. Shindo is that girl has some thick legs and she's fucking tough as nails. I she definitely made Manami look like a million bucks. Manami's just amazing. Period. But wow, I said it to Christmas before we talked about it. I thought this is the best show a match on the whole fucking show. And there's two mm. huge main events. Yeah, like fucking star-studded shit, and I was like, that is a big call, but at the same time, not in so far to where I think, you know, I'd question that, because I can totally see what you mean, like, in terms of a match that just surprises you in the best of ways, you know? I honestly, I didn't expect, I, at first I didn't know it was a title match, because I wasn't really paying attention, uh, but once it got into the fucking match, I'm like, this is fucking good. Mm-hmm. Especially because they're wearing the, you know, the we talked about it before, the girls who are younger wear outfits that are, look just like bathing suits. They don't look like they're really trying to have any presentation. They're just wrestlers. Mm. And maybe you uh, take that for granted. You don't think they're going to be as badass as they come out. But fucking amazing, man. So good. Yeah, there was like a bit where I, I think it was Banami. I can't remember, but where she just kept, like, driving for these pins, like, over and over again, just, like, driving forward and, like, just forcing her down and just making the girl, like, you know, shoot, have to kick out, and then she'd just, like, drive in for the pin again, just exhausting her with these pins. And it's just, like, it. that's the kind of bit where it's, like, you actually feel like you're really watching a, a combative encounter and not just some, you know, 
predetermined bullshit. I love yep. that. And I saw what I would say is the best backslide of my life. Oh, yeah. She, they, she, I think it was, I don't remember who it was, I think it was Manami that did it, but she was rolling her over and didn't actually have the, the other arm at first. But when she got her to the ground, she got the other arm and locked it in. I was like, that was a real struggle to get that backslide, which normally looks so rehearsed and so fucking corny. This one looked legit. It was yeah. fucking dope. It's cool. When they and I'm saying those... about a backslide. Yeah. I mean, I, Start us talk about a backslide, but damn. Yeah, it's not like we're talking about some crazy, super duper, triple Canadian destroyer here. We're talking about a fucking backslide, but it's just yeah. done in in such a great way to where it's like, it, it, it that that's how wrestling should feel. I think. Um, I mean, the the, the drop kicks as well from uh, Manami were just incredible. Like again, just bringing me back to that Gaia Girls documentary where every one of those drop kicks landed like, and it looked like it actually was damaging, which you yep. forget. Like that's the intention of a drop kick. It's not just jump up, slap your thigh, and have the person powder for a bump. It's like you're actually meant to be kicking them really hard in the face. That's the idea here. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah just that um the, the low series was of... pinpoint accuracy too like just yeah. drop that like inches off the ground and connect it with these fucking drop kicks yeah and yeah that, just that that finishing um reversal pin where she it was like a small package wasn't it she reversed the small package and then just completely pressed the uh the, the shoulders down and just looked like there was no escaping from that fucking thing and there wasn't yeah awesome <laughs> what a <laughs> if you're gonna you watch the whole show, but if there's anyone you're gonna seek out specifically, I'd say this one. But because they're they're probably two girls you did most people that haven't even heard of, but they're fucking great. Yep, hundred uh, percent. Next, we had probably the most star-studded match of the show in uh, Siuri and Miko Satomura against you and Aja Kong. <sighs> I love this. How, how was I not going to love this? But I, I loved it even more than I thought I would. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was, as far, pretty straightforward what you expect from a match with every all these players, uh, but still top-notch and great. And Aja Kong, maybe not as awesome as she was, but uh I thought she looked great. Like, in terms oh. of, like, I've, I've seen a fair bit of recent Aja Kong, and, and in this, I thought, like, for, for every little thing she did, she looks like fucking perfect. Looked brutal, like oh, so good. Let me let me continue. Uh, I bet more for people who haven't necessarily seen outside of her on AEW, maybe not watched a ton ah. of her wrestling recently. Maybe more used to the old Aja Kong of yore. Gotcha. But yeah, still. Oh, hang on, hang on. We got some. Aja Kong, still great, still awesome. I wasn't throwing shade. Dropping big ass elbows mm-hmm. uh, and they look very impactful. Most definitely, uh, I really liked just like the um, the overall match layout. Like it, it's something that you not you don't necessarily focus on a lot, but I guess was like, and again, I hate to to be like, oh, I, I used to do a wrestle, so I understand things, but like, sometimes when like you just look at a match layout and you'd be like, that was a fucking just. The way they laid out that match and, like, the spots where this happened and that happened, like, it was just, to me, a perfect match layout for what it was meant to be, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, 
I'm not. I'm just a fair mark. I never was trained in the professional wrestle, so I I can only say from my point of view, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I uh, totally you you totally set you up for that. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Uh, yeah. I mean, to me, Siuri just looked even better than the prior night in this match, yep. which I didn't think was possible because she was clearly the best part of that match. And, uh, you know, we spoke in the past about the idea of Suri uh, going off to the NXT land and apparently, uh, you know, that's already probably a thing that's going to happen in the not-too-distant future. Breaks my heart because everything that I love about um, Suri is something that will not be able to be what is her strong point in that company. Uh, but if she does leave, um, I'm at least really positive in um, Siri stepping up to fill her shoes here in San Diego. Yeah, and I, I think that's what I was uh, feeling when they had them paired together, and then also having her with uh, Mama Mama mm-hmm. Monster Mako Satomura, and this one clearly they're keeping a close eye. I like her stance. Like sometimes she, when she's throwing kicks, it's like a old school uh, Muay Thai kick fighter mm. or a kickboxer. You know what I mean? I like that stance. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if she's got a legit background in that because some of her kicks just look. <laughs> I can't think of anyone who has kicks that good. And she's, I I don't like to objectify female wrestlers too much, but she's a beautiful woman. Mm. Mm. She's yes. a pretty lady. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Um. Yeah, I, I think this was this match was just like a best of Siri, really. But then you also had everyone else looking really, really great as well. Like there was an excellent, just like simple but great exchange early on between Sadamora and you. Just that, I don't know, there's something uh, just great about that dynamic of like the bigger, stronger girl uh, and then like someone like Sadamora who's not as big but just like the wily veteran who – like we've said before, kick your fucking head off. Um, I love that. Uh, there's a strike exchange between Satomura and Kong that just like brings you back to their incredible feud over the years uh, and like straight back into it was that losing missing a beat. Um, and yeah, just overall, I, I, I love the match and finished it being like, man, I'm, I'm really excited to see more of Suri. Hell yeah, that's funny that we both have the same same impressions. Sometimes they tell stories that are clear as day that if you don't key to, you might maybe not understand. Maybe you don't grasp the wrestlings as much as some other folks. But yeah, it was clear that they're highlighting this young lady and setting her up for future greatness. I I guess we're looking forward to maybe a Ch- Hashimoto and Siri match in their future, huh? Yeah, man. I, I was thinking that. I was thinking like the idea of a big time singles um, Siri versus Satomura match. Uh, Ooh, would, would that could be, be cool. Great. Um, but yeah, she she just seems better every match you see her, which is kind of uh, exciting. To where it's like, imagine where she'll be in like six months or a year's time. If you know, I really hope she she is uh, still in Sendai Girls doing this stuff. But she's just getting better every single match. Yes, sir. Agreed. Um, all right, then we got on to the uh, another long-standing feud that we've we've seen some previous matches of uh, earlier this year between, uh, in my mind, the greatest uh, female tag team 
like both in current wrestling also that I can remember ever, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I didn't watch a whole bunch of Jumping Bomb Angels back in the day, but like outside of that, like Dash Jusako and Hiroyo Matsumoto are just the best tag team. They're kind of like a female version of the Motor City Machine Guns in my mind. That that's that's totally good. I didn't even think about that. that's fucking great. Yeah, I, I I love them. They're great. Um, and so they were going for the tag titles against Charlie and Millie. Which... <laughs> so funny. I was talking to Chris about the opening video for this match, and it's all in Japanese. And you, Charlie and Millie, like, <laughs> stands out so much that you can't help but chuckle. It's fucking great. Awesome. But I love when Japanese people say either names or words that have no Japanese translation, and mm-hmm. they, it's in the middle of the sentence, and all of a sudden you hear, like, Arby's! Or <laughs> 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 oh, who would not pop for? Just Japanese, Japanese, Japanese. Arby's! <laughs> <laughs> Beef and cheddar! <laughs> but yeah, uh, I agree. Dash is fucking awesome like she's got a ton of personality man like sometimes just uh, charisma translates language you know what i mean and mm-hmm. that's both the scenarios yeah i think both of them do really like i mean yeah. hiroya matsumoto and her like you know big strong like the the crazy hair and everything and just like amazing smile like she just looks like she's having so much fun with everything she's doing um, yeah, especially when she smiles at her opponent after she does like yeah. some cool, like some move to him. She goes like, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, exactly like what you're saying for Dash, like both of them, great. Um, Millie in this match, fucking you. We talked about it before how you you said how she's getting a lot better, but mm-hmm. I was really impressed on all the stuff she does now in between the moves or yes. when she's actually in a hold, like when she was wrenching in that uh, side headlock. Uh, at one point, I know, again, putting over a simple move like a headlock, but she was wrenching it and actually making it have meaning. Yep. Uh, and then fucking, I don't know, It's I'm really, really impressed with how far she's come, uh, even in the like four matches I've seen her in. Yeah, agreed. On center. And yep. um, to me, Charlie was looking great as well, because last time I kind of buried Charlie a little bit. Because they're like fucking nap kicks. Like, it's nothing I hate more with every fucking strike. You slap your fucking leg. Like, it's such a... I I just can't stand it. It's it's such a thing of, like, uh, independent wrestling. To where it's like, I love indie wrestling, but if there's one thing that I can just eliminate altogether, it would be fucking the overuse of naps. And she was doing it every every little strike. And I was like, the most annoying part is they're good kicks. Like, you don't need to fucking slap your leg and make them look like, you know, fake... But yep. in this match, she turned that down a whole lot, and we just saw a lot of awesome wrestling, a lot of awesome strikes, and I thought she looked a million bucks, man. She looked so much better than last time. Agreed. I'm big. Uh, Charlie was the one I was high on first, and when you kind of buried a little bit, I was like, well, maybe I'm wrong about this young lady. But no, fucking impressive. Uh, I love her little... She does the crossbody while the person's sitting on the ground. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, it reminds me of the old um, was it Mike Knox that did like the flying bus kind of deal. Mm, yeah. Maybe a bit smaller than a bus. What can we say? Like a flying raccoon? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you go from a vehicle to a fucking <laughs> trash panda? <laughs> There's got to be an in-between there somewhere. <laughs> uh, we were talking about how strong 
uh, Matsumoto is uh, the fucking. She did that. They both came out with her like the clothesline. She grabbed their arms, crossed them, and then a double double back body drop. That was fucking cool. Yep, 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 yep. Um, I re- there was a crazy double team in this that didn't quite come off perfect, but just oh, in yeah. terms of like temerity to even try this move, I was, and creativity really. Uh, they got big thumbs up from me. It was like a like a double team tower fucking sunset bomb it was like a sunset yeah like a code was it a code red sunset bomb or i don't know man it was fucking nuts and they didn't get all of it but nobody ended up hurt which is the positive and, and they also, all landed in the kind still, of still looked painful like it yeah. didn't look like they fucked it up to the point to where it hurt them more than the opponent uh it's only, if we knew what they were it's only because we had an idea of what they were going for we knew it was a fuck up yeah, but I, I still give them big points for just how cool this uh this was in theory. <laughs> the the actual pinfall seems sudden. Like there's some big struggle with Billy and Dash for a little bit and then all of a sudden just the big frog splash and they were done. Well they they protected that frog splash really well. Like you know, I think very few people I can't I can't I don't know if I can remember anyone kicking out of that frog splash. Maybe I think there was like a match between Surrey and Dash, to where Sari kicked out of it in like a big um, singles match. But in terms of tag team, they generally turned a team to protect that quite well. That's good. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought this was a very good match. And again, definitely recommend uh, that one. Um, I, I see big things for Millie and Charlie. I mean, I hope we see more of them in, in Sendai Girls, but they'd, they'd be a team that I think would, would just rocket in um, All Elite right now. Do you think they're going to develop into a female's tag division or bring those girls over just as a unit and just have them do singles tags? I think at this stage they're struggling enough with depth in the women's single division to where it would be a terrible mistake to try to launch like a tag team division at this stage. But um, they'd be like the late, the late cool for AEW. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it would be at an interesting dynamic to have them both in the singles division, but they're helping one another out because they're best mates kind of thing or something. Yeah. And plus, you like know, it. no reason not to have some tag matches on the shows, even if there's not necessarily a tag team division per se. And why wouldn't you want Medusa Complex on the show? That that mm. name is rad. Yeah. I there's, there's so much of the time I watched All Elite, and I'm just like, I wish – that instead of just doing this stuff exclusively with like Tokyo Joshi Pro, which is like where most of the girls have come from, they ha- had like a partnership with um, Sendo Girls. Like I'm just like, I watch anyone on this card and I'm like, this person could have a killer match with whoever in AEW. This person could have a killer match. Like, like can you imagine the tear that like Chihiro Hashimoto would be on in that company and how great it would be? Anyway, yeah, what if? Um, the funny concept I thought, well, not necessarily funny, I thought it would be a rad concept to bring Hashimoto in as some dude's muscle, like in any company, because she <laughs> is actually only like 5'2", but have her like be their muscle. Would be for her to be so... the heater. Yeah, how great would that be? <laughs> I know I was first thinking her and Tozawa if she came to WWE, because he's just awesome, and if she was just tossing people around for it, it would be great, but... Anybody. She's and even great. someone someone like the squirmy little shit like a Sammy Guevara. Like I think that'd be a perfect Oh hell pairing. yeah, that'd be so great. <laughs> the new ja- female China the new China. I almost said female China. What the fuck's wrong with me? 
<laughs> I meant to say I was gonna say female and foursome, but then I went into China and I realized I was saying female China, so I tried to pull the brakes. <laughs> Didn't get it quite in time. <laughs> no, it's all right. We know what you meant. We know what you meant. Uh, but yeah, like like a China, but like actually a really good wrestler too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, really fun match, and then we get on to our main event. Uh, a match that, like I said, I was a little bit rocky going into. I was like, has Cerise still got it? I'm a little bit concerned. Has she lost her drive? Has she lost her killer instinct going into this one with uh, Chihiro Hashimoto, who looks like she's got all of the drive? Uh, so I, I didn't, wasn't quite sure of the dynamic, uh, but fuck, I was happy to be proven wrong. What did you think? Uh, if I was going to base it on the three matches we've seen with him, I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the three, but I think probably my second favorite, uh, probably the second one is my first favorite, but, uh, mm -hmm. still a fucking incredible match. I love Hashimoto's fucking flipping senton. She gets so much height and it just comes <laughs> directly down. They're so... All of the force. Not like one yeah, of these sentons where you're just doing a flip and you're slightly getting them. She's doing the flip no. and getting them all with all of it. 100%. And both ladies are tremendous. Sari has one of the most beautiful bridges in suplexes, oh, yeah. as far as women is concerned. Just sticks it and holds it. I can't say enough about these two ladies. I said it to Alicia, I go, strangely enough, I only heard about these girls in the last year, but they're probably my two favorite female wrestlers in the world. Yep, yep. I'd, I'd agree with that 100%. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say about the bridges, because just uh, yesterday... I was watching an episode of AEW Dark, and I was like trying to catch up, so a little bit behind. And I was watching the one from Indianapolis. It had like a match between um, Big Swole and that like what the, you know, like the the French Peruvian chick, the the blonde one. I can't remember her name. I don't know her name. She's she's come in not too long ago. She's quite pretty, um, and they had a really good build up segment for it. But regardless, uh, the, my main point is that they had like a dragon suplex as the like a bridging dragon suplex as the finish. And it was the most, like, soft, lame bridge that looked like if a fucking hair fell on top of it, it would break um, that I've ever seen. And just, like, comparing that to the bridges of, of Suri was, like, I think it, it hurt extra because I just watched this match the prior day. And you can't, you can't just, like, watch one of those matches and then watch one of these matches. It's, like, in no way the same thing. But just a no. testament to the fucking incredible, just overall wrestling ability, but like you said, bridging ability of, of Suri in this. Uh, I, I thought like it was great. Like from the start, they really seemed like they really started in a high gear, like just really going hard from the get go. Not like much of a feeling out process as much. Did you kind of get that? Mean, yeah. hundred percent. These two know each other. So there's no need for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, we still got some great grappling, um, like competitive, aggressive grappling from Hashimoto. Cause that's like really a bread and butter. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like the really kind of like getting to know you kind of stuff. The fucking, uh, I, suplexes almost were there where she was fucking dropping her on their head or was it like a T-bone gargoyle suplex? I don't know. Like <laughs> T-bone three... gargoyle suplex? Amazing. I, yeah, I all the names, all the names together. Was she, that the name of, of Rick, Rick Steiner's move? Cause he was the dog face gremlin. There was a gargoyle. I think somebody else did the gargoyle suplex too, but uh, anyway, continue. But yeah, she dropped her on her like directly on her head with all three of those in a row. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Um, 
I maybe before that even I there was like a point in the selling to where I just like top points um to where you know a lot of people say like Japanese wrestling oh the selling's terrible so much no selling blah blah blah, blah. I, I couldn't say it's more the opposite like there was a great bit when um uh so Hashimoto had Suri in a, an ankle hold um and then uh following up after he got out of it and then uh Suri got got back on on in control uh she she like continued to to like register the the ankle so like she gave her like a, a sweet ghetto stomp off the top um and then you could see she kind of like favored the ankle a little bit um and like uh she had um Hashimoto in like a, a leg submission and like while she had her in that leg submission you could see her like still favoring her ankle through that just like little things like that that kind of like I don't know they reward you for paying attention which I really like yeah, I definitely try to stay off my phone and I'm watching more when I'm watching Sendai Girls. Because like, I'm actually not just paying attention and laughing at the stupid commentary. I'm actually enjoying the wrestling. I think it helps as well when it's not English commentary. Like, for some yeah. reason, like, I tune out a little bit when there's English commentary. But if there's not, you just pay attention to the wrestling, you know? Uh-huh. Um, obviously, we great strikes in this match as well. We know both of these girls are bloody heavy hitters some um, beautiful release german too yeah oh, there was a big badass did you see that headbutt headbutt spot from sari yeah <laughs> she just like broke something off and then did big headbutt and then um hashimoto just like bumped straight away and got a huge pop that was great but yeah then we got onto these um beautiful suplexes and, and bridging suplexes from sari that we were talking about and um that the urinagis man the uh I think that's my favorite thing in Suri all around. She is the best urinagi in wrestling, full stop, today. I, I think her urinagi would make uh, Hiroshi Hase proud. Is that what that is? The word she would drop from on their head where she did three in a row, or was it yes. different kind of super? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. it. So urinagi is yeah, kind she, of like yeah, the rock like bottom different. position, but then you like go up and like doing it properly, you go over and you drop them more on a, a head-neck kind of angle. But then she has a super big... Um, more finishing variation of it where she uh, catches the, um, the, the wrist and it's like the wrist yeah. clutch variation and that's a that's big what I was talking about. Yeah, that was fucking killer. Dumb. Yeah, that, that reminds me a lot of like the um, the old Junakiyama wrist clutch exploder. I think they called it like the sternness dust gamma where he just like lock that wrist and then just drive them down in the most ungodly angle on the head. But yeah, I, I think in a lot of ways, Suri is kind of like the badass daughter of Hiroshi Hase and Junakiyama. Thinking about it, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I can argue. Uh, yeah, it's just to me, uh, I, I love this match. I love this show, but I, I just thought this this match was just had everything. And it's hard when you mention like best matches of the feud. Like when I finish this, I'm like, this is the best match of the feud. This was fucking incredible. But I think back when you said that second one, I'm like, that was really good too. Shit. Yeah, I pick? Oh. yeah. I was really impressed with the second one because I was blown away by the first one. Like, like the first mm. one I was like, yeah, nothing could beat that. They're like, Oh, well, fuck it. Hey, these girls are fucking tremendous. Yeah. It's just nuts to me that we have a, a feud, like a series of matches that are that good this year. And it's like 90% of like wrestling fans have no idea who either of these girls are and and they're like wrestling at such a high level it's just crazy to me it goes under the radar so much i have to 
on the podcast I'm going to do, I have to say like my favorite match of the year and all that bullshit mm. that I never pay attention to. <laughs> and one of the they, one of them is, is my favorite female wrestler of the year, and I definitely want to say Sari, but I doubt anybody's gonna know. And I'm just gonna sound like a fucking weirdo, like putting over <laughs> Sendai girls. Like, no, it's this little Japanese wrestling company. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Joshi creep. <laughs> Joshi wrestling. It's not just for creeps anymore or whatever. Yeah, not just for guys. Fucking wearing creepy jerk off jackets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know one one of my favorite things in the post match. Uh, mm. Did you notice who who did the uh, awarding of the belt? Oh, I was. I think I remember, but I'm escaping. Who was it? So, uh, uh, Tohoku Region slash Michinoku Pro Legend. Jinsei Shinzaki, a.k.a. Oh, yeah, Hakushi. Yeah. Hakushi. Yeah. yeah. He had a, a pair. I just didn't know he had such a big hand in helping uh, send that girls to get started. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really know too much about his, his participation with Sendo Girls either. I wasn't sure whether he was just there as like a, a one-off kind of thing because he's such a star in that like Sendai Tohoku region. Um, but yeah, like when I was in, in Sendai... There was actually a, a cardboard cutout of him at, at the front of like some steakhouse. <laughs> That's fucking cool. Yeah, I like took a little selfie with it with like my arm around him, little best <laughs> best buds. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I oh man, this this just had everything. I, I it's it's good when you finish a show and you're just like, man, how good's wrestling? I just yeah. love wrestling. Yeah, I was I was pretty jazzed after their show. Was, uh, tried to get Alicia to watch some of it. She watched a little bit. I'm like, babe, you, you gotta enjoy this Joshi wrestling. If you're gonna enjoy any wrestling, these are just girls going out of their way to be awesome at their craft. And maybe some people just like the entertainment value. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I um I tried to get Courtney to to watch it, and she's like, no, I hate wrestling. And you think you think <laughs> they would because it's like women being awesome at the job, but no. These no. just women just don't want to support other women. It's disgusting, really, Chris. Exactly. That that is the problem, isn't it? Really. <laughs> I put it on them. <laughs> Fuck you two. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. On that note, we should close up shop. We should. Uh, we're gonna share a link to this show. So if any of you bots out there want to watch something that's pretty awesome, uh, not a lot of ones and zeros, but just a lot of great fucking wrestling. So yep. make sure you, oh. you check it out. I also found out that Hashimoto does vanity search because I was putting over the match, and then this morning I woke up and she had liked the tweet. So ah. yeah, that was I popped a little bit. Small world, isn't it weird when you like we're watching this show and then you think that like people will actually see the the tweets on it because you typed a name in there. Yeah, real people, wild. <laughs> Oh, Alicia just got home, and the dog is now barking at her presence. <laughs> so hi, Alicia. Chris says hi, Alicia. All right, do your plug skis. All right, plug skis. Uh, I'm just uh, at the Chris Things uh, on Twitter, at Chris Things on Instagram. Check it out for some sweet art. I'll have a, a new piece posting soon. For those of you that like um, aliens, cowboys, and um, space shit, that, Ooh, and dinosaurs, actually, all of those things. So look forward to that. Um, <laughs> uh, other than that, we are at 
Grown Men Pod on the Twitter, where you can stay tuned for when our our I, I like to call us an ultra rare and exclusive show, uh, yeah. where you know you don't know when we're going to come, but uh, sometimes you might just be lucky to find a, a new one, and you're like, oh, what a what an exclusive treat for me, this How little fun. show. Oh, yeah, yes. we're a boutique, we're a boutique show, a podcast. Uh, and I am at James Vanderbeek at J A I M S Vanderbeek on both Instagram and Twitter. Lovely. Well. I've had fun this week. We, we talked. Well. We reminisced about Christmas. We talked about wrestling. We talked about Sendai Girls. Everything that this this podcast is about, with the exception of, you know, I only really worked out the other couple of weeks back. We, did we just completely forget about David Arquette? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Get with you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Alright, we still love Dave. Alright, buddy. Talk to you. I gotta get on the road ahead of us. Alright, safe travel. Everybody knows that the bird is aware of the bird. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.